Hey friends, this is Spirit of Play, Conversations on Creativity, and I'm Kevin Joseph O'Connor. Thanks so much for listening. Wanted to start this episode with a poem. I'll be reading A Song for Autumn by Mary Oliver. Don't you imagine the leaves dream now? How comfortable it will be to touch the earth instead of the nothingness of the air and the endless freshets of wind. And don't you think the trees, especially those with mossy hollows, are beginning to look for the birds that will come, six, a dozen, to sleep inside their bodies? And don't you hear the goldenrod whispering goodbye, the everlasting being crowned with the first tuffets of snow? The pond stiffens and the white field over which the fox runs so quickly brings out its long blue shadows. The wind wags its many tails, and in the evening the piled firewood shifts a little, longing to be on its way. Today's guest is photographer Anna Robertson. We met this summer when we were both exhibiting at an Emerging Artist Showcase at the Tennessee Valley Museum of Art in Tuscumbia, Alabama. Anna is a delightful and acutely observant guest. I always hope you leave these episodes feeling that to a small degree you've made a new friend. Sitting down over this Zoom call felt like that for me. We talk about her adolescent journey toward art school and studying photography, and now her master's in art history. The importance of not just reflecting on the past, but understanding your place in its context and the weight of the artist to understand their connection to the subject matter, highlighting that sacred responsibility. Find Anna's work online at AnnaRobertsonPhotography.com. As always, I'm eager to know what you think of the conversation and who you think I should sit down with next. Email me at KevinJosephArt at gmail.com or connect with me on Instagram at Kevin underscore Joseph. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. Uh, Anna, you and I had the pleasure of meeting when we were both in the Tuscumbia uh, Emerging Art Exhibit at the Tennessee Valley Museum of Art. Uh, you grew up uh, just north of there, is that right? Yeah, I, uh, I grew up in Florence, Alabama. Um, both my parents were teaching at the university there. Um, so I, I spent all of my childhood really there um we we moved to florence when i was like five months old so um florence was kind of was my was my hometown so your parents were both teachers yeah so my dad both of them were sociology teachers my mom taught um this really interesting class when i was a little little kid it was called death and dying whoa yeah, so it was kind of like uh, the the concepts around death, like how does one deal with death um, in in their day to day job? So like it was part of the sociology program. So like um, like how do you approach someone who is dying? How do you approach a family of someone who is dying? And I, I feel like that's kind of the I'm I'm kind of the layman when it comes to that. Like I I couldn't give you like the exact. Um, point of the class, um, I think she would, she would probably like add a few things, certainly. But uh, that was my kind of understanding of the class. And Wait, my how, dad, how old were you when she was teaching this class? Oh, I was a really little kid. I mean, like, okay. toddler up until like, maybe five or six. Um, I know that she taught while she was pregnant. She, she taught that class while she was pregnant with my sister. Okay. Yeah. I'm just wondering what of that carried over and carried home with her. <laughs> yeah, you know, and Having I think, just given birth. Yeah, and and she was teaching. She she was telling me this wasn't all that long ago. She was telling me that like she was pregnant and like in the late term, the late stages of pregnancy with my sister, as she was teaching like the section in death and dying on infant mortality. So oh like my that God. really like sat really close to home with her. 
Um, mm-hmm. But like thinking, yeah, about like how maybe that carried like into my own work, like that's a really interesting kind of thing to think about. And I do think about that every now and then. Your like parents the, still teach? My dad does. Um, he he teaches, he's the head of the Department of Interdisciplinary Studies at UNA. And my mom, actually, when I was a senior in college at SCAD, my mom actually uh, let me know that she had been, she had accepted a job at SCAD. She's now an academic advisor. Oh, that's so interesting. So yeah. was there overlap with your time there or did she enter after you had left? She came in right as I was starting my senior year um, okay. and she's still there as I'm doing my grad program there. Okay, so you're working on your, your master's at SCAD as well. You're just continuing on there. Yeah, I was really lucky because I was finishing up my undergrad like as the pandemic hit. So like I did my last quarter, we're on the quarter system at SCAD. Um, I did my last quarter of senior year online and then went right into my grad program. That's wild. Um, First of all, congrats on graduating during a pandemic. Um, (laughs) That's, I can't really imagine, at least you were, on your way out, you had your sights set on something afterwards, but that must have been so strange. It was weird. And like, I I notoriously have always hated online learning. And like my fiance, he really thrives on it. Like he loves it. He loves online learning. And I know so many people that really enjoy it. Um, But I just, I hated, I hated online learning. Um, But luckily it was over Zoom, which was great because like I still got some of that face-to-face interaction. Um, And I was initially like, oh my God, I'm going to have to start my first year of grad school online. Oh no. But my, thank goodness, my professors have been just really amazing and like really easy to get a hold of. Um, So like as we're starting to go more into like hybrid classes during the pandemic, like that's been really great. But honestly, it it's it was hard, but really, I've I've been very lucky. That's incredible. Your undergrad was that in like Bachelor of Fine Arts Photography? Yes, exactly. Okay, All right. but your, your master's program that you're working towards now, that's different. That's in art history. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious about the, the switch. Maybe it's not a switch in directions, but um, changing direction and something that is not even more focused on the medium that you work in, which is photography. Um, how did you arrive at, at deciding on art history? So um, I think that... I think that art history enriches photography and really to all forms of art. Agreed. Yeah, because like you you don't really know the direction that you're going in unless you have seen the direction that others have made for you. Yeah, under underappreciated. Yeah. Um, especially with so many flash in the pan kind of sensationalized things with the attention span of the internet Um, yeah taking the time to look back is so important yeah and like all of my all of my favorite photographers are all dead so i uh i've always looked i've always really gravitated towards historical processes i've always been really interested in i'm a i'm a big platinum palladium printer um when it comes to printing my own work, because I try to get as airy, but in, but still in keeping of the, still preserving the tonality of my image. But like, I want as much depth as, as little contrast while still keeping like the blackest blacks and the whitest whites in the print. Um, And platinum palladium is really great at just preserving tonal range. What so is I, platinum palladium? Also, so, if I didn't say that right, correct me. No, you did it. Yeah, you you got it. Um, so platinum printing is it's a long um, it's a long pr- practiced form of printing. So it's you're you're coating similar to like cyanotype. Okay. You're coating paper um, with light sensitive chemistry that you mix yourself. 
there's different um, different drops and like different concentrations of the chemistry creates different uh, tonal qualities, different um, colors, even like the hues can vary a little bit. Mm. Um, See, that's something that's so interesting about photography, where you can study composition, you can study art history, you can study the practice and mechanics of like the f-stop and all the other aperture and all the settings of how the mechanics work. But then there's this entire other chemistry. Like you have to know how chemistry works to be able to develop and make something. Yeah. Chemistry that is, is used as a light, it's potassium ferrocyanide. Okay. So it's, um, you would, I actually was reading this, um, this essay by um, Re uh, Rebecca Solnit. Um, about the, it's called the blue of the distance. Hmm. One of my professors actually recommended it. Well, he, he had us read it in a class, um, but she, uh, she was talking about the, the color blue when you look at things that are very far away because it gets the light of the sun kind of bounces off of the, the nitrogen and the oxygen uh, in the air to create that blue that of, is of the sky. Mm, that's so interesting. when you look at yeah, when you look at mountains, like they're blue. Um, but she always really loved cyanotype because she um, it kind of felt like she was living in that far away, like blue, beautiful, perfect kind of distant land. Um, which I I actually um, I've always been really interested in cyanotype. I did a couple of like cyanotype um, prints of pressed flowers at the beginning of the of the pandemic, um, like very a la Anna Atkins. Um, and but I've never really been particularly interested in printing my work in all blue. Um, you can tone cyanotype with different types of chemicals. I mean, this is where we get into like the big long, like, okay, well, like you can start off with cyanotype where like you're doing some stuff that's blue and then suddenly like you can tone it and bleach it and like do all of this like weird, mm. crazy chemistry and stuff. And then suddenly it's purple or like it's sepia or like, oh wow, there's so much chemistry in photography. Thank God I took two years of chemistry in high school. But most of your, by and large, your photography is black and white or yes. gradient on that scale. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Why did you end up, did, did you study photography in high school as well? You know, I kind of dabbled in it, but um, the big part of, so I, I, when I applied to SCAD with my portfolio of stuff that I had learned in high school, a lot of it was drawing. There was some, um, there was some ceramics, there was some photography. I knew that I wanted to go into photography by the time I was a senior in high school. Um, my high school was, my art teacher was very like self-directed. Okay. Um, he was like, oh, you know, just kind of do whatever. Here you go. Um, so what was I, his focus? Did he specialize in anything or I was he just was, across I the board? Really no, I think he was kind of across the board. Okay. Um, he did some photography, he did some drawing, he did some painting. Um, but um, the curator of the, um, the museum that we were both showing in, he was my art teacher really, really briefly. We like overlapped a year. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that's how I know him. Okay, all right. Um, other than that really brief interaction, did you have any interaction with, because uh, they put plays on and things as well at the Tennessee Valley Museum. Yeah, did I used to act at the Ritz. Oh, that's so funny. It was fun. Um, I had a really good, I had a really good group of people that were, that I acted with and I was, I was okay. <laughs> I wasn't like, I wasn't like fantastic by any stretch of the term, by any stretch of the imagination. I, I studied music for a long time. Um, so like, uh, I, I got into the Ritz, um, through my voice teacher. And the Ritz is the theater at that at the yeah. PBMA. Okay. So your voice teacher got you, got you in. Yeah. Okay. Um, what kind of productions were you in? 
Oh my God. Uh, my first one was Les Mis. That first, was okay. <laughs> right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, and then we did uh, Ragtime, which, oh my God, what a, that was my favorite. Like that was, that was a, such a beautiful, timely, um, really, I think, uh, historically important play to do. And then we did a, we did a lot of like Rodgers and Hammerstein, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, cool. Um, but I, I think what the, the one that really stuck with me was Ragtime. That's so interesting. Um, so I like the fact that you knew that you wanted to go into photography, but you had a portfolio of a whole bunch of different art that you had worked on when you submitted yeah. to SCAD, which is the Savannah College of Art and Design. And so did they accept you into a photography program as a freshman? So um, you you get accepted and you are automatically like a like an undecided major and you choose your major when you like when you come into, I think it's after your first quarter. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was just thinking when I was getting set up here for our call, how um, like I was changing mics, I was moving things around. I was, you know, I was a mess and I had this thought of, I don't have my act together at all, but I'm all in. And you, I'm not saying that you are in that boat, <laughs> but I'm, I like the fact that like you had all these things. You're just like, Hey, look, this is, this is all, this is all me. I want well, you to I just really nervous. Really? Yeah. I, well, so like I had, I had a lot of people being like, why would you go to art school? You know, really? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not the most financially stable career. Okay, so it's not, not practical, but not you're practical. also doing theater productions and people didn't see the parallel. I guess not. Well, I guess it's because like, I wasn't like going into theater or like, I wasn't going into theater or music as like a career. Mm, okay. So I was like, oh, like that's nice. And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna go study art. I'm gonna go study photography. And they're like, whoa, wait. Um, <laughs> pump the brakes. <laughs> pump the brakes. Um, and I had, I had always for a long time, like since middle school, I had wanted to go to SCAD. Really? I'd wanted to study, okay. Uh, I'd wanted to study art. I had wanted to go to an art school. And like I had. I had an ex that was like, you shouldn't do this. You should be a stay-at-home mom, which like there is oh absolutely with with, wrong with being a stay-at-home mom. Like that was a full-time job. Um, but he was like, you should just, you should have your own little studio and like not go to, not go to art school or like go to a, like a more affordable college. And then like, I will take care of you. And I was like, nope. Um, Did you and, and your fiance meet at SCAD? No, we actually met in Alabama. I was working um, as a hostess at a restaurant and he walked in with some friends and I just thought that he was adorable. So well <laughs> done, Anna. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, we're getting married in February. He's my best friend. Um, that's amazing. I love that. I, I love him a lot. Um, and that's another thing that people have kind that some people have kind of like raised their eyebrows on, like me being a 23 year old getting married. They're like, oh, my God. Um, and I guess I, I was just for a long time, I've had a good amount of people, people that I've, I've realized now don't really matter. Like their opinions do not matter. Yeah. Just being like, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't go to art school. You shouldn't cut off all of your hair. You shouldn't get a tattoo. Why are you dyeing your hair purple, Anna? But like, like, don't do this. You just live in this state of paralysis where it's like, I can't make any decisions yeah. of my own volition after a certain yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. Like, what the hell am I supposed to do, guys? Like, come on. Um, and all, all I wanted to do, all I've ever wanted to do is just wake up feeling content with my decisions. Hmm. That's all I've ever wanted to do. I wanted, I want to be living a life that I am truly proud of. Yeah. I think that's self-respect. Yeah. I think your parents, sorry. No, go ahead. What did your parents think about the photography and the, and the art school endeavor? They were a little hesitant at first, but they came around. Okay. 
And now I am, uh, I'm child number one in art school. Child number two is also in art school. And your mom now works there. And my mom now works at school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think they, I think that they just kind of, the people who mattered, which. Isn't that a Dr. Seuss-ism? Yeah. Yeah. The people who mattered don't mind. Yeah. Um, the, the people who mattered realized she is doing something that makes her happy. Yeah. It's like they saw you instead of an idea of yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. And I, and I, I, I still have to remind myself, even in the art world, okay, am I content with what I'm doing? Because I've worked jobs that were in my field, what I thought I wanted to do. And it just wasn't, it wasn't it. Mm. And I, and I didn't real, and it made me really depressed. I mean, like I've worked jobs that I thought I was, and that I was, that I was good at, but either I was working with people that weren't particularly kind people, or I was working with, I was working in a situation where I didn't feel comfortable or welcome. And that's just not it. That's just not how you should be living your life. Um, and I, I think, and the pandemic actually forced me out of a job that was, was causing me a lot of grief. And it really, I think the pandemic really kind of solidified my, um, It kind of solidified like what I needed, like what I, what I needed to continue living that the life that I wanted. Things got a little stripped down and try and turn the volume yeah. up on what else is important. Yeah. Yeah. It really just kind of made me turn the mirror away from like, okay, I'm unemployed now. Do I want to go back to that job? Do I want to go back into a situation or that makes me unhappy? No because life is incredibly short, you know, like life, life could be, you could get sick. You could get, I could have gotten COVID and I could have passed away. Like I could have died. Do, was I living in a situation where I could look back at my life and be like, yeah, I made myself truly happy. Yeah. There's something to be said for living like, if your eyes aren't open, right? If you're not yeah. seeing the world around you and what makes you alive, right? Yeah. Um, painting yeah. is an itch that I can't scratch hard enough. I can't quite yeah. reach. And so I've done other things. My degree is not in painting. I got a degree in creative, creative writing and literature. And I, I started studying painting seriously at the end of my, my college time. And I realized like, oh, this is the, this is the itch that yeah. makes me more me. And it's yeah. totally okay to like, to experiment. And, and I tell people that are like incoming SCAD students this all the time, like it's okay to change your major. It's okay to like take a, take a quarter off and like reevaluate what you need to be doing. Like it, it's, oh, people who don't fail at stuff, totally boring people. Yeah, I'm a big fan of I, failure. Yeah, like failure is the failure is great in retrospect. Like it of course failure does not feel good when you're in that moment. Like I I failed at stuff that I really thought that I was supposed to do right or like I had pictured in my head that I was supposed to do it right. And I failed at that and that's okay. Like it hurt for a long time. And I did, I did get really mentally not great after that, but like, it's okay. Because what it did show me was other, I kind of like skewed my focus. Like, okay, I didn't like doing that. What do I, what did I like from it that I could use for my second, my second mm. round? Yeah, and the the idea that like every decision decision that you make is not the final decision that you're making. Um, even thinking about you studying art history, probably exposing yourself to other mediums that you haven't interacted with 
as much. Um, do you ever anticipate setting photography aside and being like, you know what, this got me to this next thing? You know, so, um, so one of the photographers that I really like, um, Minor White, he, um, he believed that photography was one of the steps that he needed to take towards spiritual enlightenment. Hmm. And like, I can, as a photographer that focuses on the idea of universal consciousness and like the, the idea of breath, like I could totally see that. Well, a lot of your work is, is around that connectedness. Yeah. And, and I think that his was too, because he was, he was very desperately trying to find himself and to make Mm. sense of the world around him. Um, And he, he, he knew that eventually within his life or within the next life that he would live, um, he would have to set photography down and like Mm. move forward. Um, I, I don't think that I'm there yet. No, your work is incredible. And I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm just curious if you had had that moment of like, (laughs) you experience these things, studying the history of what's been. And you're like, oh, this has opened my eyes. I did learn a few things. Like I love printmaking. Printmaking is super fun. That's why I asked if your your paintings were monoprints because I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot that you had asked me that before. Um, I've done a little bit of that. I like that. And I like that it can allow one painting to influence another painting and to influence another painting where there's like a train of thoughts. Um, Yeah. yeah. I I think when I am, when I'm behind my camera, especially when I'm behind my pinhole camera, really even my Hasselblad, which I've been using a lot more lately, um, I'm trying to get myself to shoot. I'm, I'm working on trying to get myself to shoot a little bit more color i would like Hmm. to just as a kind of like a a little test to see if i can do it i want to do um so i had a at a series that i was working on when i was a senior in college called liminal bodies that i wanted to do it's incredible i loved it thank you i um i had put a lot of thought into it and i had put a lot of heart into it and i um i ended up making a little handmade book from it. Oh, cool. But I wanted, I I actually made this decision a couple of weeks ago. Um, I want to try to do a book again, but like in color, still with the idea of um, like the, the thing beyond the veil or the spaces beyond the veil. I really like the idea of thin places. Um, and I, um, I like the idea of like time and space kind of layers, different spaces laying on top of each other, like different universes laying on top of each other. You feel that with some of your photography, it it does feel like there's, um, maybe an ethereal quality or maybe some sort of otherness that, that you're capturing, especially with the pinhole. Um, it's, it, it doesn't quite feel like a time laps still yeah. but it, it does feel like you're capturing this moment that you could not have seen just with I the think, naked eye i think that photography has enabled and photography and studying uh different aspects of spirituality um kind of enabled me to and really just also like using photography to kind of tap into my empathy hmm. My my knowledge of the history of the pla- of pl- of the places where I'm photographing, um, it kind of it kind of enabled me to feel or to maybe I don't I don't think it's imagined. I think that there's some. I think that people, especially artistic people have the ability to kind of see, like see deeper. Um, like there's a, a, so I'm working, I'm interning with um, the Telfair Academy here in Savannah. 
I'm doing really early foundational research into um, this island off the coast of Savannah, it's called Osaba Island. Um, there used to be an artist colony there in the 60s uh, through the 80s, um, but, but long before that, it was multiple generations of plantation sites. There is, there's hmm. still, there's stuff there, not just the indigo that's left over that now grows, it grows wild in on the island and not just the hogs that the Spanish left there in the 1500s, not just the, the middens that were uncovered um, on the southern tip of the island. There's, there's energy, there's vibrations, other artists that have gone there, they've tapped into it. And I've shot breath studies on Osaba the first time that I was there. Hmm. And there's being alone on the island, like it hums, like there's something. And, and I think, I think that it's a layer of the history, the pain that's happened on that island, the beauty that's happened on that island, the love of the people that are protecting the island, because it's a very protect, it's a coastal heritage center. Okay. Um, but there's, there's a lot of, a lot of passion there. And I think that the land kind of holds it. I think it kind of exists between it's, it is the veil. And I'm really interested in, in places that are the veil between two spaces. That makes me think you and I both having grown up here in the South, um, me in, between Georgia and Tennessee and Alabama, uh, I think maybe I've gotten tone deaf growing up seeing battlefield this and battlefield that oh God, of yeah. just civil war sites and these places that now I don't even think about because I've, I've just grown up around it, but people who visit from out of town or wherever, they're like, you live near a battlefield? Yeah. Like 150, 200 years ago. Uh, yeah. And it's just kind of wild because you forget like, well, that the, the ground hasn't forgotten. Yeah, the ground hasn't forgotten. The, the, cult the cultural memory is still there. Now yeah. we're, we are two white Southerners sitting and talking about this. Like there is, we we are speaking from an extreme place of privilege like there um we and and we were we are products of i think i walked by there's a confederate monument in florence that is still standing in front of the um one of the government buildings, people for like a almost two years now have been tr trying to get it pulled down. And it hasn't, it still is standing up. I've walked past that statue all my life and never, I, I never looked at it. Mm as it didn't register to me as a white woman, like what that represented. Yeah. And it's, it's time for people in the South, people across the America. It's not just the South. I mean, you sure. know, a sugar cane was grown in by enslaved people cut down by enslaved people packaged and in the Caribbean. And then where did that sugar go? It went to Red Hook, Brooklyn. Mm. All of America, all of England has to reckon because in, where was the indigo on Oswald Island going to? It was going to, it was going to England. All of us need to reckon with our ability to have for just a long time like brush this aside because we had we had the privilege of being able to do that thinking about 
earlier a minute ago when you were talking about how photography gives you it it lets you tap into empathy yeah which is what i'm hearing right now which i i think is is so valuable in a in a currency that maybe we we don't know how to access mm -hmm. and that art allows us to get there and i like that we're making a bridge between the composition of a photograph and the anthropology yeah of, of and how that's the 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 deeper the deeper work of your own realizations because you can't have any effective change without your own realizations of who you are where you came from what's going on around you yeah i think that's powerful because you're able to use your voice as a photographer in a way that maybe people could hear yeah and i think that so all art is political like i've had this discussion <laughs> we, we, i am sure that we have all had this discussion all art is political sometimes it's a lot more political uh -huh. sometimes very clearly political you look at my work and it's very like i mean i'm doing photos uh, I'm doing photos and it's also like, I think I might've talked to you about this in Tuscumbia. It's like, it's almost performance art because I'm sitting there like the, the shutter has to be open for a long time because it's a pinhole camera. So uh -huh. it's like 16 minutes of me trying to be really still with the camera. Cause like, I don't That's want to That's incredible, job, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. That's a it's, long time. It's really fun. And I think it's, it's a very, like, it's an, it's an ability. It gives me the ability to just kind of meditate for a while which I think is so it's, that's really, is another really important thing, like being mindful and just being present when you're taking photographs. Like there have been so many times where like either I've done street photography myself, or I've looked at other people doing street photography and they're just walking down the street of New York, just click, 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 click. Like they're not taking that time to like sit with the person, be with the person, be the person. Cause I think you, I mean, the, a lot of people, so like, for example, like there are some cultures, um, Amish uh, people specifically, um, that won't let you photograph them. Like if you see photographs of people like their, their heads are turned away because they, be they believe that I'm, I'm going to get this wrong. Um, but they, they won't let you photograph them because it's, it's, it's like you're taking something from them and you are you are taking, they're right. Photography, you, there's another thing that in photography, like you have to understand the power dynamics of photography. You as a photographer have a, a kind of power over the person that you're photographing or the thing that you're photographing. Like you get to decide how your audience is gonna see this person. Mm. Absolutely. Or this, yeah, or see this landscape. Carrie Mae Weems did a really good um, photo series on kind of talking about kind of really the violence in that kind of comes with photography or this, this power that comes with photography. It's so important, I believe, to be able to sit with your subjects, to feel your, to feel spiritually your subjects, like understand the person, understand the landscape and just be there for a minute because you, I'm a strong believer in the universe being one thing. Like I am an extension of, Anna is an, ex, an extension of Kevin. We're all experiencing. We're, we're all experiencing, but we're, we're all the same thing. Big Bang Theory, everything came from singularity. We're, we're all, we've all been everything and we're going to continue to be everything so where like, does that play and are you is your goal when you're trying to connect on such a deep level with your subject whether it's natural life and plant life and organic surroundings or whether it's a person that you're photographing um it seems like with that mindset your your goal would be to elevate the subject especially considering considering the power dynamic that you're 
aware of? I don't know if elevate really is the term. I think maybe love. Hmm. Explain that a little bit. I would want, hmm, how should I put this? I think general love of the person, love of the person that they are, um, love and love in a form of respect. Hmm. Just not getting in their face with a camera because they're a human being. They're not, they're going to go home to their family um, in whatever form that takes after you're done taking their picture. They're, they're going to go to work mm -hmm. after you're done taking their picture. Like they are human beings that are worthy of love and respect. So just walking past them and just going click, that's not very respectful. And that doesn't, and you wouldn't want, I wouldn't want somebody to just walk up and go click and then leave. I would want them to sit with me. I would want them to know who I am. Make you feel seen on a very literal sense. Seen? Yeah. 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 Hmm. I was thinking about how, um, as I grow and learn and experience, um, I'm constantly trying to keep track of where my curiosity is and where my curiosity is leading me and how art seems to be a train that I can hop on board and it can, it can be the, the avenue of, of curiosity and it gets us there and pursuing that curiosity more than, like I said earlier, having my act together, being all in and your eyes open mm -hmm. and, and pursuing that thing that makes your heart beat a little bit harder. Um, and I think on the other side of the camera, being the subject, feeling seen in whatever small amount being understood, whatever yeah. that means, I think that's that's huge. And I feel like I, I can sense that with the photography that I've seen of, of your work. And it makes sense that that would be, I'm not, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it, it, it seems like that might be a goal. Yeah, I think, um, so when I was doing liminal bodies, I was, I was photographing myself. Um, and I was, I really like the way that the that liminal bodies ended up turning out i was not in a very good mental state when i was doing it i was really really depressed mm -hmm. um i was i was going through a really really difficult time um i had actually tried to re rework it because i wasn't in that moment, um, right as that class ended, I wasn't particularly happy with the way that it turned out. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna redo it. But like putting myself back in that headspace, I just wasn't, I wasn't happy with, I wasn't happy. I wasn't, um, I just didn't wanna go back to that headspace that I was using or that I was um, kind of tapping into for liminal bodies. So I decided to kind of leave it as it was. Um, and I, I think that's another reason why I didn't put an artist statement with it. Cause I usually do a little, a short write up um, about my work, publish it. Um, I, I did decide to stay with breath studies though, because it was, also kind of self-portraiture in the way because of the kind of the idea that like I've I've been the atoms in my body have been this thing now they're here making up myself and then there'll be something else later and plus isn't it like every seven years we our skin yeah. changes something like that yeah every seven know, years we have, a, we have a new body um because all of the all of the skin um, and the, the cells regenerating. That's why your palate changes. That's nuts. 
It is nuts. That's so nuts. One day you don't like hummus and then the next day you like hummus. (laughs) Yeah. So when you were in that really heavy state, when you were in that, that place of being depressed, but trying to work through these, these projects and these series of, of photos, did photography feel like labor or did it feel like a reprieve? Oh, a reprieve. Okay. Oh, a reprieve. Um, it was, yeah, not taking the work aspect out of it, but no, it felt like a reprieve. And I think, and it's, it's always, I think, because when I'm really in the zone, I'm really making work that I know that I'm going to be happy about it. Cause like, you know, that gut feeling where you're like, oh yeah, this is, this is good. Um, what do you, what do you call that when you're in that? I, I think just connectedness. Okay. Because I, I, this is going to sound really weird, but roll with me. I'm here um, for it. Okay. <laughs> when I know that I'm really there, when I know that I'm in the moment, it's almost kind of like this kind of trance-like state. Oh yeah. I'm, I get and, it. Yeah. And I have, I, I have visions or like, I guess kind of, yeah, visions I think would be the term for it of like, beca- because I center myself so strongly around the natural world, I have these visions of like, as I'm walking, like roots are sticking or like from my feet into the ground and like, they're letting me walk. Of course, like I'm not stuck, but mm-hmm. like, as I'm moving, like the roots are coming up and then coming back into the sand. Cause it's usually on beaches. Like you are also a natural organic thing. I'm, I'm like being, yeah like I'm a moving being like yeah. a like a like a sentient like a a more a slightly more sentient in the way that we understand it tree because trees are sentient yeah um we just move on a different or, timeline yeah 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 or like an ant <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like if you took an ant but you you did the uh, the the play button where it plays like one and a half times faster. Yeah, yeah, essentially, and she's holding a tripod and a and a camera. Yeah, um, but it, it, that's always when I know that like things that, that I'm really in that state, that I'm really in that kind of like trance, um, connected. Because it's not really trance. I think I'm more awake and I'm more present than I ever am. Yeah, we talk about it like it's some sort of otherness where it's like yeah. you're away, but maybe it's more that you're here more. Yeah. I mean, like I, um, so one of my, one of the things that I have studied a little bit, like just a little bit in my time in art history is, um, different aspects of, um, African art and spirituality and a lot of, so like a common idea in, um, in like Western Africa with the Yoruba is like your, you, when you are doing work, and you are kind of, or when you're doing something that is that is meaningful and you are almost in, in trance, that is when you are closest to God. Hmm. And like that definitely resonates with me. Hmm. Like even though I didn't grow up in a, in a religious household, like I, I feel this sort of divinity when, when I'm in that state. Even if I'm in the dark room, sometimes it happens when I'm in the dark room and I'm just developing. Well, I imagine that developing your own film is also, that is an art to itself, but I imagine that's also a meditative practice. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially when you're tray developing large format film, like you're in the dark for a long time. And I developed by inspection. Um, one of my amazing, amazing photo professors taught me how to develop by inspection. What does that mean? Um, so it's, you have a, you have a, a green safe light in the dark room. So you're tray developing. Um, so you have a single sheet of four by five film and you are, or, or two sheets of four by five film. I have one, I have one friend that tray develops like a ton of sheets of films at uh, tons of sheets of film, sorry, at once. And I'm like, man, how do you do that? Because if I do that, they stick together, but that's a whole thing. So I'm usually doing like two at a time. Um, I have a timer that glow. It's, it's slightly, um, it glows slightly in green so I can see it. Green light doesn't, 
dim green light doesn't overexpose or doesn't affect um, film as much. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so I can turn on um, like every, so I, I'll develop for like three minutes because three-ish minutes is when the shadows are going to be developed and they won't go any further. Um, after about three minutes, I pull one of the sheets out of the developer and I hit the safe light and it shines green and I can see it kind of, it's not perfect, but like I can see the negative. And when I think that the highlights are where I want them, because I want a really low contrasted negative. When I think that the highlights are about where I want, then I move and I start washing the developer off. Um, so I get this very low contrast, all the details are there, the sky is there, which that was a big problem before I learned how to develop by inspection, all my skies were gone. It was mm. just white, blown out sky and you mm. can't have that. Um, <laughs> that would, that would always be my downfall and critique. It's like, we can't see your sky. There's nothing in your sky. It's just white. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I don't know what's wrong. And it's, it's because I wasn't developing by inspection. But I, I develop like maybe 65%, maybe 70 of the, of the actual developing time that you're probably supposed to be doing. Um, but it's, it's this- Like you're developing them quick, shorter yeah, amounts of yeah, time? I'm, I'm under developing them. Okay, because you want low contrast. Yeah, because I want Got super it. low contrast. The, the longer that it's in the developer, the higher contrast your photos are gonna be. Okay, got it. Um, that makes so much sense. I haven't known how to put my finger on it because I haven't known the terms, but it's that is really fun to look at in your photography where um, the, the the contrast across the board, things have both definition and blend together in these in, in these these moments, right? Yeah. Um, that's that's helpful how how to look at and think about photography. Um, yeah. which is also just why I, I love having these conversations because I want to be able to understand and appreciate more what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, I think it's really important to kind of talk about like not only the technical, not only the the artistic kind of spiritual side of, of photography, but also the technical side, because like if if you're gonna, if you're interested in photography, like you've got to learn the technical side. So you can understand it, comprehend it, like, okay, this is what the aperture does, this is what the f-stop does, et cetera. And then, then you can start breaking rules or then you can start chain, using the rules to your advantage. I don't like the idea of like breaking the rule. I'm not breaking any rule. I'm just twisting them and kind of using them to my advantage. Yeah, and there's also, let's just get away from this concept of by talking about the mechanics of how I made the art that I made, I'm giving away something. You're allowing oh, yeah. the, the recipient to have greater appreciation for Oh yeah, I can talk about um, I can talk about photography for hours and hours and hours and hours, um, and it can go from the the idea of like how photography could totally be like a method of meditation um, or a method of um, or like a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. To, okay, this is how you develop by inspection. This is how you, um, this is why I like medium format to large format, or like, this is why I don't shoot digital as much. Like I can, I think all of that's important. Hmm. So let's talk about your composition for just a quick second. I wanted to talk about the representational versus non-representational aspects of your, of your pictures where, um, I know what I'm looking at, but there's also, maybe it's due to the pinhole, maybe it's due to the um, the low contrast, but there's an abstract quality and a figurative quality, or the, the, there's both and in, mm -hmm. in your pictures. Um, and I would just love to hear you talk about that for a minute. I, I was thinking about how with, um, with, with painting, I, I love both the representational and the non-representational. I try to make things that are completely unrepresentational in my paintings, but that you can find a connection and an empathy into. But yeah. the fact that you can have a photo that 
by, by definition, you're taking a photo of a real thing. The thing that you are photographing exists as a yeah. physical thing, but you can have this blend of it representing something or someone, but also having this abstract quality. Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest, the biggest thing, and this is also, this is a very technical answer. Sure. No, you have to really know your camera. Like, um, so the, the pinhole camera doesn't have a viewfinder. I don't, I don't know exactly where the, where the frame stops. Okay. Um, on my Hasselblad, I know exactly where the frame stops. And I use that to my advantage, especially when I'm using my Hasselblad for like self-portraits. I know exactly what the camera can and cannot see. And I'm going to use that. And I know exactly where that is in time and space. Um, with, the, with the pinhole, do you usually just err on the side of, I'm going to gather too much frame, knowing that you I, have your shot in there? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah, it totally makes sense. You know, I I generally know more or less what it's going to see. I don't do any like seriously crazy compositions with my pinhole um, just in case I leave something or I lose something. Do you crop um, them much when you develop them or is that the photo? You know, I, I really, I really try not to crop. I really try. Respect um, that. Sometimes, sometimes I do. Um, and there's no shame in that. Um, <laughs> there, because uh, like sometimes, especially when you can't see what you're doing, sure. sometimes you just kind of have to. Yeah, um, something might be distracting. Yeah, one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite photos that I've taken, I took it in 2019 um, with a big, uh, with a big monorail four by five camera that actually was uh, a gift from one of my friends, um, of this deer skeleton kind of decomposing into a cotton field. Hmm. Um, that was, I, that was definitely like the tipping point for me. <laughs> that was like the pivotal moment in my photography was that deer. And so like, when you say it was a big camera, Yes. Well, the, the the four by five was large. Uh, what dimensions am I thinking? What okay, kind of... so it's a, a four by five camera. Um, so like it's a relatively large camera, but it's got a big monorail like on it. So like okay. there it's a rail. So the um, the bellows of the camera um, mm -hmm. sit on a big rail. You can't collapse the rail. Um, it's supposed to be a studio camera. Okay. I don't make it a studio camera. <laughs> Um, he's, he's gigantic and I just kind of carry him by the rail. That sounds heavy. Um, he's yeah. He's a, he's a heavy boy. Um, <laughs> he's a heavy boy. Um, but he, um, yeah, we hang out. He's, he's a good, he's a good camera. Um, thank you, Ben Chapman for, for giving him to me. Um, uh, but I, I had this heavy tripod and, um, heavy camera. Are you shooting alone was, when you're doing this? Actually, I was with a friend of mine. Um, he had never seen a cotton field before. So we had pulled off to the okay. side of the road. We were on Highway 80 in Georgia, um, heading up to Statesboro. He got so excited because he really wanted to see a cotton field. <laughs> uh, which, I mean, of course, like there's something really like, there's something kind of beautiful about it. Like it's it's all I think white. they're beautiful. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of history to cotton yeah. field. Like there, there's a lot of, that's a lot There's another heavy it's a real loaded thing. It's a, it's a loaded thing. Um, but he, he wanted to see the cotton and it was this, it was prime like cotton right before it was harvested season in Savannah. Um, and we pulled over to the side of the road and Ethan kind of jumped out and was like, Oh my God, it's cotton. Oh my God. That's so cool. So we wanted to take some pictures and I got out of the car and I immediately could smell it. Like, you know, that kind of like the smell of like decay hmm. of, of something that, that used to be living. Like it hits you in this, it kind of like in your, I don't know where it is in your brain. It's something very primal in your brain. 
um, like you smell it and it just kind of like the alarm bells start going and you're like, that's something dead. Yeah. Cause nothing smells like that. No, nothing smells like that. And I, I looked at Ethan and I said, Hey, like this, something big is dead, um, nearby. Like we need to just kind of keep a lookout for it. So don't, don't get freaked out. Um, so he kind of scaled this little bank, um, into the field and he goes, Oh, I found it. And I kind of walked up over, I left my car and I just kind of walked up over the little embankment and I saw it and it was, you couldn't see the head, but you could see the rib cage and then the, the legs of the deer hadn't decayed yet. Or like you could still, the, the skin was still there. Oh, wow. And it looked like a relatively young deer probably was hit by a car um, and then dragged itself up this little hill probably like a six foot, maybe more hill into the cotton field and then died. And I kind of looked at it and like something kind of, something kind of clicked. And I just, I couldn't think of a better place, like this kind of like proverbial snow, which mm-hmm. is like supposed to represent something cleaning or like something cleansing snow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was like, oh God, let me go get my camera. <laughs> so I'm like hauling like probably over 20 pounds of equipment, like up into the, uh, up into this field, um, on the edge of the highway. And one of my professors, he actually, he just got a Guggenheim. I'm really proud of him. He deserves it. Um, he, he always taught me to be, he, he's, he taught me that he kind of planted the seed of that empathy. Like he was like, you have to respect the thing that you're photographing. If you're going to shoot in a graveyard, leave candy at the graves, like leave, say thank you when you walk into a space. So I, I was like, okay. And I started talking to the deer and I was like, okay, but I'm so sorry. I, I don't want, I want to care for you in the way that I can. So I'm going to take one picture. So I, I, I metered my light to see kind of what, what my aperture and what my, my shutter should be. I, I set everything up. I, and I was, and I was thinking to myself, like, okay, if you, if you don't want, if you don't want me to be doing this, the picture won't come out. I know that sounds quite superstitious, but I was thinking like, okay, if it's not meant to be, it won't be. If it's meant to be, it'll be. The exposure, perfect. Mm. The darkroom, I was like, yes. Um, It needed to be cropped just a little bit. So I took just like a hair out and man, that's my favorite image. It's in my, uh, it's in the staircase of my home. I've sold it a couple of times to some people. I've printed it every which way from Tuesday. Like it's in platinum on multiple different types of paper. It's um, I've inkjet printed it. I've darkroom. I've like silver gelatin printed it in the darkroom. Um, that's, it was, it was a pivotal, like that was the, the photograph that really got me thinking about the veil. Oh yeah. Oh Either yeah. Life and death or in between other universes. And like, that was, that was the moment. Did you title uh, the photo when you, when you had it made? Oh, I didn't. Um, I, I title a lot of the stuff. So it's in, um, it's in the platinum series on my uh-huh. website, encapsulated the platinum series. Cause it used to be a larger, um, it used to be a larger series. I did it in, in an earlier photography class. Um, but I ended up cutting it way down. Um, so it's not a lot of images. Um, but it's just Statesboro, Georgia, highway 80, um, than the date that I shot it. I, I, I kind of think that's fantastic. I, I like that the title is, this is the time and this is the place. It might, you know, it might actually be deer in a cotton, I, you know, actually, I think it's deer in a cotton field and then it's, which is also like very straight and to the point. 
Yeah. Like there's no, uh, there's no poetic title. Like it's just deer in a cotton field, Statesboro, Georgia date. Um, I saw that photo on your website yesterday and I wanted to know the story behind it and I forgot to write it down to ask. And I'm really, really glad that you, you brought it up and that we came full circle with that. I'm glad. Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to look at that again and have a new awareness and insight. Um, Anna, this has been delightful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, So you're working you're working on your master's in art history right now. You graduate next year. Is that right? Yeah, I should be done in May. So um, congratulations in advance. Thank you. It'll be it'll be wild. Like I'm getting married in February. I'll write my thesis in the spring. And then here's here's to the next chapter. It sounds incredible. Do you have an idea of what's after graduation? Um, Dylan's going to finish his bachelor's degree. Um, I'm going to look for some jobs in South Carolina, in Charleston. Um, I really want to keep my ear to the ground when it comes to the Asabaugh project at the Telfair Museums. It's going to be Echoes of Asabaugh um, in fall of 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope to have my ear to the ground on that. I hope to be working on a few um, on a few projects myself. I hope to have a book out um, maybe next year, like a small kind of just artist book Um, to keep you busy. Yeah. I think, I think it'll be good. I might move some, I might move the book deadline around, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna drive myself crazy with it. Um, I think, I think it'll be, I just, I think I'm, I'm feeling really positive. I love that. This is great. Uh, Anna, thanks again so much. This has been such a, a pleasure. I'm excited to hear where things go and have such a a greater appreciation for photographs that I already loved. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks.